Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in. With me today is Jera. Hello. And our guest, Jen Tift. Hi. Now, before we introduce you, Jen, um, a little bit of housekeeping. Before we get to our main topic... Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as a paltry sum of a dollar a month and get awesome rewards from thanks on social media up into our fine bespoke watch-along commentaries. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash women at warp. Also, if you're a fan of the podcast and really want to rep it some more in your life, just, you know, want to wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, and wrap yourself in how much you love our show, we've got merch. You can check out our Tee Public store. There are so many designs. We've got new ones being added all the time. You can get our merch in the form of coffee mugs, tote bags. Uh, I don't know if anyone has tried printing it out for a car decal, but I would like to see it happen. If you can print Louis Vuitton logos all over a car, you can definitely print our faces. <laughs> I'm just saying, the option is out there. <laughs> uh, find us at tpublic.com forward slash stores forward slash women at warp. Uh, so, Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself and your Trek experience for friends who may not have listened to our previous episode. Okay, so my name is Jen Tift, and uh, I host uh, a podcast called Snap Trek, where we compare two different episodes of Star Trek in various car- categories, and we also write uh, Star Trek poetry of uh, very varying levels of, of quality, Amazing. I would say. <laughs> um, and then, uh, relevant to today, I, I write uh, reviews uh, of Prodigy for TrekCore.com. For those of you who haven't guessed, we are talking about Star Trek Prodigy today. Um, we finished the rest of Season 1, and we've got some thoughts about it. Are you guys stoked to talk about for se- the yes. rest of Season 1? Yes, so much. Uh, and Jen joined us on, as you mentioned, on our last episode. So if, if you want to go back and listen to that one and you haven't already before that, uh, this one, it is called Prodigy Times 10. And it came out last <laughs> fall after the first 10 episodes. 10 times the prodigy, 10 times the fun. So how, so how are we all feeling, uh, when we left off at the mid-season break? That was a dramatic cliffhanger. It was. It, it, yeah. And it was a long wait, too. Especially. It was such a long for, wait. For kids. <laughs> But what an introduction uh, to what these last ten episodes would be, though, to to get that that glimpse of Janeway on the Dauntless. Oh my god! <laughs> that to make us wait <laughs> almost a full year. Yeah, I remember leaving off. I was a little skeptical about whether it could hold people's attention for that long of a break, especially kids' attention. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I did lose the attention of the kid that I was watching the first half of the season with, and I'm sure she'll watch it again at some point, but she was already more interested in watching High School Musical, the TV show, by the time we got to the, the postseason break. She'll come back. There's a holodeck episode. She has to. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she'll come yeah. back for that. But I do think that if it took that long to make it look that good and for the story to be that good and the music to be that good, then it was mm-hmm. worth it because it, it, the second yeah. half really paid off. The second half knocked my socks off. Yeah, same here. And, and it doesn't have an expiration date either. Mm-hmm. You know, like now yeah. that there's they're all available, she could go back and binge it someday. Exactly. You know, it's true. Yeah. After she finishes the <laughs> high school musical, <laughs> the, the musical. On a single Saturday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's nice too. They're but you know bite-sized twenty-minute episodes too, so you can kind of 
keep it rolling. And also, once you get started rolling with them, you really want to see what's going to happen next. So, so starting off, our first episode of the season was Asylum, where we got our crew showing up in kind of, you know, still recovering from the pre-mid-season break, and they finally find some contact with Starfleet in a Starfleet relay station, and it doesn't go great. <laughs> no. They don't make a great first impression. Yep. So, like, they basically learned they have this weapon called the Construct on the ship and that it's going to destroy the Federation if it... Well, they don't actually fully understand that clearly by this the time they get to this episode. Gwyn has found it out and then that information got erased from mm-hmm. her hard drive right. because of Medusin mind, well, mind melty shenanigans. <laughs> yes. So right. we know, but they mm-hmm. don't yet. We know... Gwyn doesn't know that she knows, yeah. but it's still kind of having some flashbacks about it. And Zero is awash in guilt over accidentally doing some mind melties mm-hmm. on her. He gave her the brain scramblies and doesn't feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. And we also learn um, this episode, like, they all go through this health scanner and we learn their, like, species. Mm-hmm. And we learn that Dal is basically just, like, classified contact Starfleet immediately. <laughs> that fascinated me. Yeah, that got me stoked. I was so intrigued by that. What could that mean? <laughs> I, I really appreciated the moment with Gwyn going through and being like, I'm, I'm not going to be on there. And they're like, no, we're all scared. You're not on here. Yeah, I told you I wasn't going to be on there. <laughs> About 50 years too early <laughs> for, them, for them to register. <laughs> Sorry, bro, you tried. Your scanner's just too obsolete for you know, me. Also, Barnabas Frex is a very fun supporting character. Yeah. It's a great name, first of all. <laughs> yeah. <Denobulin. laughs> Yeah, and he's extremely unfazed by just, like, all these random kids showing up and saying they're Starfleet. Look, have you ever been so bored at work that you wouldn't question anything exciting happening if it Mm -hmm. happened? That's that's his life. That's his life. He's been waiting for anything to happen since he got stationed on this outpost. (laughs) The best day he's had in a long time until the uh, the weapon. (laughs) It was a great day up until dot dot dot. Yeah. Yeah, um, like, what's the outpost that they send people to in Lower Decks that's, like, the worst place to be? Starbase 80. Thank you. Because <laughs> I was going to say, maybe this is worse than, right. than being on Starfleet yeah. Starbase 80. <laughs> we've got Starbase 80. We've got this guy's station relay. We've got Scotty and Keenzer on an ice planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. That's and we've got that one guy in the future who was waiting for Starfleet to reform. Overall, oh, those yeah. are the... Those are the lower tier commissions you can get. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are the people who stepped on the wrong admiral's shoes. Yeah. (laughs) But it was a pretty cool episode. And it was pretty cool to like right off the bat get to see what this great weapon that Mm -hmm. had been built up to us at the first half of the season and like see it unleashed and see just what kind of damage it can do. Yeah, I think it was a a really great way to... um to show what the weapon could do to, to kids especially who might not have the experience we do with like a computer virus and things like that. They might, they, you know, not understand what that meant, <laughs> you know, and about also what, just how bad things can go. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's so cool looking the way like everything turns to these like red brick things, you know, on yeah, the screen. visually it was great. Yeah. Yeah. We get that great shorthand of everything turning from blue to red. Mm-hmm. And also we, 
they, they their first encounter with like a Starfleet officer and things are going, you know, <laughs> he's unfazed until he's like, no, I'm out of here. Bye. He pieces out with the only uh, escape pod. Yeah. He's like, oh, these children, I'll leave them stranded in space in the murder station. Yep. Your problem now, kids. He's, he's not the A-team. I think that might be why he, he is at the post he's on. <laughs> He's out of there, and you're like, this is why you're in a remote relay station. Because we can't trust you in a crisis. Also, can I just quick say, um, how cool is it that now we get to have, uh, with this character, Eric Bauza, who is such a big name in voiceover and voice acting work in Star Trek. We really are yeah. just collecting such a rogues gallery of performers uh, between this and Lower Decks, and... Oh, it just warms my little cartoon loving heart. <laughs> yeah, like, I was only, as of, like, last week, realizing how big names some of these people yeah. were um, that have become more prominent in season two. And some of them, you wouldn't know by the role. Like, Tysis, yeah. Janeway's yeah. first officer, being played by uh, Jason Alexander. Oh, no, Jason Alexander is but- Dr. Noom. Yeah. And then Tysis is uh, D.B. Diggs. Yes. No, 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 correct no. me. What What has this fellow done again? Can <laughs> tell? What's where would where would we know that name? And he's great too. I he's I terrific. Am, he makes a fabulous Andorian. Mm, he's a great Andorian. I'm I'm really intrigued by this character. He seems like he seems so regal. Like he mm. he almost has like a Tuvok relationship with Janeway, which is interesting. You know that over the years, Janeway has collected Tuvoks. Yeah, that's like her her yes. criterium mm-hmm. for a first officer. A and you're that. like, yeah, this guy is a good uh, mm-hmm. successor to Tuvok. Yeah, that's what yeah. she needs. She needs someone who will stand up to her uh in a very logical manner you know like, like he's not yeah. he's not gonna stand up to her just because he he you know wants everything done his way he's going to stand up to her when he thinks she needs it i'm sure it i'm sure that won't come up this season though hmm, correct yes. i mean things are only gonna go as planned right <laughs> right of course nothing what could go wrong <laughs> uh well us. this relay station gets pretty screwed up let's be honest and so now they're kind of have a target from from starfleet on their back as well <laughs> mm-hmm. so these poor kids just cannot catch a break and um if we can jump to our next episode then we've got let sleeping borg lie because if if you're gonna see the kids get into danger throw them into like the worst possible <laughs> danger throw them in the nightmare scenario early Let's in not the season into it. Let's yeah. straight to the borg cube <laughs> Yeah, like, hey, kids, we're introducing you to all these high-concept sci-fi right. things we've got in Star Trek. Have you ever thought about hive minds and having your entire <laughs> identity stolen away and being made to a, to a soulless husk of your former self? Mm-hmm. Well. What a creepy concept for a kid who has never encountered the Borg before, you know? Absolutely. My, my kids love this. They thought that was the coolest villain. Oh, that's they, great. You know, they, they didn't. Ha- they have no context for yep. this. That's probably for the best. <laughs> if you had, if you had more context, it would probably be too scary for yeah. a smaller audience. My kids are. My kids are into being scared, and they love. They love this. Oh. They're like. They're like, mom. This oh. is like a Halloween episode. This is great. It this kind is- of is. Yeah. 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 When they were walking through the ship, you know, it had almost like a Scooby Doo feeling. You know, when oh, they're walking through totally the haunted, haunted house, you know. <laughs> Yeah, they get this is basically the haunted house episode yeah, of the season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so so much fun. I mean, there were definitely moments where you were like, the Borg would have just assimilated them, <laughs> them instead of like gathering them and tying them to a machine. But 
Well, you know. Yeah, I do appreciate that. Younger audience, Jara, younger <laughs> I audience. And I, I overall, I thought they hand, handled it really well, because as a kid who was very scared of the live-action Borg, oh, I so I funny. could see, I was like, ooh, they're going to go there, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that they, they handled it well, and I think the way that they, um, you know, played up things like, you know, if they don't perceive you as a threat, they're just going to ignore you, and those yes. things that we know from Borg canon. Yeah. Um, yes, we know that. You must be this tall to be considered a threat by the Borg. <laughs> that, yeah. that was actually one of my my favorite moments of watching with my kids because, you know, Janeway's on the comm with Gwen saying, okay, trust me, put your weapon away. You're mm-hmm. not a threat. They mm-hmm. won't get you. And my, my, my daughter goes, I hope she's right. <laughs> Aw. And meanwhile, Jank and Pog is having, like, the best day of his life right up until realizing, oh, yes. they were, we're surrounded by zombies. This is yeah. less fun. <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. And of course, this episode is also just necessary for Zero to grapple with their guilt yes. about oh, using man. their mind wipey powers. Zero dealing with mind melty and also relating to Zero's personal experience from having come from a hive mind, mm-hmm. but then seeing. I just absolutely adored how they sort of visually represented a hive mind in this. Yes. I thought it was. In, yeah. It was terrific. I loved it. It was beautiful. I saw, mm-hmm. you know, even, and then the, the greenish tint to, to zero to zero when mm-hmm. they, you know, were oh, were half assimilated. Little you know? zombie zero. Oh no. my gosh, it was so cool. I appreciate though that he's able to overcome it with the power of friendship, and then is just basically able to to just whoop the board <laughs> implants right off. And I I just I love Zero's journey with yeah. with gr- coming to grips with their past and what, you know, what they've done against their will, you know, it's against their mm-hmm. will, but there's, they still have that guilt. And, and I think, I think when, uh, talking them through that was also beautiful because she has to be feeling guilt about what she's done, you yeah. know, about her actions on Tarot Lamora. Mm-hmm. And even though she was a child, she's a child and there's some brainwashing things, go, you know, going on. I don't know. I just, I like the pairing of them to, gra- of the two of, the two of them grappling with their, yeah, their guilt buddies. They're guilt, They're guilt buddies. buddies. Yeah, yeah. That's a great way to put it. And I actually was thinking about something. The fact that it's so easy to kind of slip into, because we get in the first episode the, with the introduction of Zero. It's not a he, it's not a she, it's yes. uh, them. They're a collect, they're a collective, they're a mist. Um, and I realized after watching through it and thinking about that, like, well, are they going to address that more? And I realized they just don't use a lot of pronouns on this show. This mm-hmm. show is really yeah. low on pronouns in the dialogue. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's part of what makes it easy to slip into that because, you know, yeah. <laughs> you don't hear it. You don't mm-hmm. hear they next to zero very often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting to me, and I wonder how much of that was an intentional choice. I mean, I'm sure it... I mean, I'm sure that it was definitely intentional to make zero not have a gender. And, um, you know, <laughs> exactly. It, it, and I think that just probably for clarity, sometimes it's easier to just refer to zero as zero instead of they. And so they refer yeah. to them by by their first name. Yeah, yes. they ju- I hope that's something they lean into a little bit more, though. I do as well. Yeah. I really do. So um, while we're getting into complex concepts, let's get into kind of a complicated <laughs> plot here. Uh, it's such and a this good is, episode. This, I lost my mind yeah. over all the worlds of stage because mm-hmm. it's, the, uh, it's the one where they end up on a planet based off of Star Trek, the original series, but only kind of half remembered. And I had to like kind of pause the show, get up and go, oh my God, they put a cargo cult on a kid's show. Uh, I didn't think you could do that. 
Okay, so a cargo cult, for those of you um, who don't know, it's usually characterized but not exclusive to uh, cultures that haven't had a lot of exposure to outside cultures around them. But when exposed to that culture, we'll assume that via mimicry, that is the means of getting the kind of resources that that other culture has available. Uh, the example that usually comes up is, uh, let me see, uh, a very obscure group of people living out in the jungle, and then an army base popped up there, and they see hey, there's all these strangers, they wear these funny outfits, but they have all these towers, and these big iron machines come and bring them tons of food. Hey, if we start wearing these uniforms and build our own towers and start marching in parade formation, maybe we'll, mm. they'll start, food will start coming for us on iron machines as well. Yep. Yeah, and it's really easy to write that off as, a, oh, that's something that only someone who'd, you know, been just fallen off the turnip truck would think, but we do still culturally have a lot of people who uh, fall into that idea of, well, this person is rich and influential and powerful, and they do this and this and this. Maybe if I do this and this and this, that'll bring me a little closer to that. Yeah, I mean, that's a central tenet of capitalism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Buy this expensive face cream and you can look like, you know... Mm -hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow or whatever. So, Maybe so. if I buy this $5,000 JPEG, I too will become a billionaire industrialist. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, but maybe if what we all did was reenact plays of the original series episodes right. and uh, go explore yeah. things a lot. I loved, I loved the Mad Max aspect of them being like, no, let us do the logs. And then oh my gosh, it's show. so great. It's so delightful, this whole episode. Uh, I also had to check to like be like, wait, did they actually get like Shatner and Decay to do this? Or is that, are those voice actors just doing like no. spot on impressions? Yeah. So good. <laughs> you gotta wonder if, does that mean that there's like a generational guy in that culture and society that t passes down the Shatner impression <laughs> and the teaching of it to one guy every couple of years? I hope so. I hope that when they go to school to learn to like read and write and then, you know, they go to like school to perform or maybe just every kid who gets the name james yeah. t into every generation yeah. of james t yeah born. <laughs> yes. exactly and they're like first day of school is james you james t you gotta you gotta do the weird stilting talking <laughs> like, but i don't wanna and like no this is your birthright do it right or don't do it at all but they just stay in character you know they do, <laughs> yes. so they can be prepared to do the logs <laughs> you also have to wonder like given that there needs to be more than like you know, 10 people on this planet uh, mm -hmm. in order for them to have a population. Um, you have to wonder whether there's just, like, multiple James T's and Hooras. <laughs> there were five or, different James T's in my class in second yeah. grade, so we all had to be and James boons. T and then our last initial. Boons, yeah. Or they're just, like, they're honored with those names because they're the, the the biggest actors in this society. Maybe you earn the, maybe it's you the title. The that title. You yes. Oh, that would be great. And that makes me think that there's like a cosplay off every year to be like, no, you're this season's boons. <laughs> One of my favorite line, throwaway lines in this episode is they're watching the play and it's, it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's, it's everyone and, and, and Jacob Hogg's like, like, and then the ensign comes up and he's like, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, to then the ensign is like the main character, yeah. you know, of, of, of their society. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Jacob Hogg is us, you know, she's like, who's this guy? <laughs> Who is this? Who is this schmo? Yeah, right. 
the thing that was really the cherry on top was it getting pulled back to the Galileo shuttle. Yeah, that yes. that was that got me so stoked, you guys. Yeah. I was a long time fan, and that was so cool to see. Ah, oh, it was so much. It was a roller coaster of an episode with such a funny concept. I love that they they do they do treat it as fixing a mistake. You know, yes, it, it was absolutely. it wasn't intentional for you know for uh, for Ensign Garrison to, to land, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, it, you know, but he did do damage to society, and and they they made, they they frame it as that at the end, you know, with the, the log and like, oh, this is our we're, we're having a second contact here, and we're trying yeah. to do right by these people that we you know <laughs> society we messed up in such a spectacular fashion. Well, let's let's be clear; these kids have had a bad experience with first contact, and yeah, exactly, so yeah, they're kind exactly. of. They know Janeway won't let them hear the end of it if they yes. really screw this up. Yeah. Well, it wasn't them that screwed it up in this case, but um, the you know I I did feel like it was a little convenient to just be like, oh, we can just call this second contact. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 Jira. Are you saying that a kids show took the convenient way out in terms of a plot? Yes. Uh, can they do but, that? Um, after a very complex half an hour, so um, I will. Yeah. Fully forgive yeah. that, and I don't think that, and I, th- I really liked the message overall. So, like, yeah. I, I am not yeah. a stickler for the Prime Directive. If you listen to our ethics episode, you can find yeah. that out. Um, so mm-hmm. I am very, very pro, um, like bending the Prime mm-hmm. Directive when it, it appears to be like a more ethical and respectful oh, thing yeah. to do. Especially here, I mean, these people earn the, the this medicine. They earn yeah. these yes. phasers. They, they earn this technology. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. far as I'm concerned. <laughs> So, if you were to end up on a planet with any one, like, Star Trek character as the basis for this society and culture, who would it be, and what do you think their biggest holiday would be? Mm. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. Like, if you went to a Riker-inspired planet, would there be Trombone Day, or, like... (laughs) And there would be Bone Day. (laughs) I feel like if, uh, if it was Boone's... That was the start of this uh, this show. That uh, people would be really into recreating, like the Kentucky Derby. Oh, yes, they they would be super into mint juleps and (laughs) exactly and disco tracksuits with medallions. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a shame! These people worshipped like all of the original series crew, but never got to see movie series crew. Oh, oh, so sad. What a bummer! That is a bummer. They worshipped the original series and never got to see the voyage home. Oh, oh they were oh, cheated. Oh, I feel bad for them now. <laughs> okay, maybe third contact is someone from Starfleet coming and being like, you're not going to believe what they got up to after all that. And they're like, oh my god, this changes everything. It's This is like the New Testament for them. <laughs> yeah. Only then there ends up being like a huge schism bef- between people who are like, no, only the original is valid. And then people yes. being like, no, the new texts. We must follow the new texts. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would and then, and then once again, uh, Starfleet starts another civil war that decimates a population. Or every year they just have a big uh, space whale festival. Yeah, that would be great, right? Mm-hmm. They, you know, they love having new scripts to perform for the yeah. logs. Yeah, I mean, it's so cute how they add in the protostar crew at the end in their in yeah. Their way. <laughs> yeah. So like, they are into adapting. So cute. They yeah. are, and you know what? That's They're that's a open. great thing. And what a great thing to show your audience. Like, yeah, sometimes you're going to get it wrong, but you yep. know what? You can you can learn to make up for it and fix it as you go forward. It's also very cute when they go on the protostar and like they reskin the bridge to appear <laughs> yeah. like the uh, TOS bridge. 
So great. Uh, This whole episode. It's definitely, this one is like a tie probably for my favorite episode this season. It's a great standalone episode. Just in terms of Star Trek in general, not just with Prodigy. Yeah. This episode did not land with my kids at all. Really? They just did not have the references to, to, you know, what was happening (laughs) whatsoever. So this this was not their favorite. Yeah. But but I think think this would be a fun one for them to go back to when they're older. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, once they've watched some. <laughs> you know, TOS and and some more bad community theater for full frame of reference. Yeah, right, exactly. Yes. So <laughs> it was for it was for us. Most, yeah. most most episodes are for the kids and the the older fans on some level, but this one yeah. this one was for us, and that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So on our next episode, we've got Crossroads, which is when the entire crew is pretty much stuck in this weather-bound outpost, and oh my gosh, the Okana is here? That's outrageous. (laughs) Outrageous. And they run into Admiral Janeway and her crew, and it's a fun time. This is one of those ones where there was, like, so much going on in it that by the end, I was like, really? That was only 24 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, they did pack a lot in. And this is the one where, and and by this point, Murph is sick, and they figured out he's kind of, like, in a cocoon. Yeah, he's cocooned up at this point. Yeah. (laughs) He's in this baby Bjorn. Rocket Tack having a baby Bjorn for Murph. Yeah. <laughs> the cutest thing. It doesn't get uh, much more precious yeah. than that, but it does really <laughs> make me wish that in the follow-up form, she'd had like a little, you know, one of those baby harness leashes to keep him from running around. <laughs> I don't know, the, the gerbil ball was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's so many good moments in this episode, like when... um you know, they're all supposed to try to approach Starfleet and tell them what's going on. And, uh, like, they all they all mess it up. And yeah. when Rock yeah. was like, like, all of you talked to Starfleet <laughs> and none of you told them about the weapon that's going to destroy the Federation. <laughs> uh, um, and also the moment where, like, Dal meets Janeway and just, like, can't speak. Mm-hmm. And, We've all been there. Yeah. And We've she all been there. lays some Janeway wisdom on him. And, yeah. yeah it was a really yeah. sweet moment. Yeah. Between those two characters. Yeah, there's this episode is full of some great character interaction moments. Yeah. And I appreciate that we um Jankampog gets a nemesis in an <laughs> unexpected place. Dr. Noom, who calls him short and also like a pauper. Oh. Not cool on multiple levels, Jason Alexander. Yeah. Also in this episode, okay, this episode, I think a lot of people felt felt very Star Warsy. Like you got Snow Planet oh, yeah, Star with like an yeah. outpost with like a bunch of sketchy traders. No, no yeah. definitely not. I'm just making the comparison. Uh, yeah, if, if you're hanging out with Okana, you're hanging out with a little space smuggler. Yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. speeder. You got like a speeder race. <laughs> so, but I, it didn't feel to me like out of place. Oh no, no. And it, it was, it's definitely the Star Trek version of the, you know, mm-hmm. wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yes. Because, you know, because you got the, the Zindi reptilians mm-hmm. are the security. And, you know. I love them bringing in the Zindi. I really did. Because, you know, if you're going to bring back any character designs for, you know, for an animated series, go for the fun ones. Go yeah. for the really eye-catching ones. Yeah, especially yeah. in animation. You can go exactly, crazy. Exactly, yeah. More yeah. aliens is... all the time. Why not? <laughs> exactly. Um, this is also the episode where uh, Ensign Asensia finds Gwyn and kind of starts to put two and two together. Um, and speaking of other, like, prominent 
actors in this show. Yes, um, let's. Asensia was one that I was like, surely they're going to do something with this character yes. other than just have her be a really smart ensign. Uh, like, you can't just, like, cast Jamila Jamil and then not do anything with her. Oh, and she's just, she's just such a delicious villain. We'll, we'll talk about mm-hmm. her when we talk about yeah. the later episodes. She gets to choose some scenery and it's oh, perfect. She's a highlight mm-hmm. for me. But yeah, up until this point, I was very much like, why is this one ensign just being so helpful yeah. to this random guy <laughs> they found? That's kind of weird. Oh my gosh. So then that brings us into episode 15, Masquerade, where, ah, man, Dahl gets kind of a gut punch there in mm. finding out that he's not actually any specific alien species. He's a, an, a human augmented with different DNA from different species. Who doesn't have parents. And then he gets... No. And then he starts doing space steroids. <laughs> mm. Basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, they call them genetic enhancements, but let's be real here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's another thing about this episode, we can definitely come back to Dal, but, um, so, like, the protostar escapes into the neutral zone, and Janeway is like, we have to follow them in, even if it means causing a war, because these people, like, know what happened with Chakotay, and all of the JC yeah. shippers are just like, yes, damn straight. <laughs> um, but Tysus gets his moment there to be like, I am not gonna let you cause a war, and we have to call Jellico and ask his permission. Hey, 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 Janeway, Janeway, as your second in command, I'm gonna need to ask you to dial it back just a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Well, we also get to bring the Romulans more into it, and we get a look Ooh. at how the Romulans are really kind of these master infil- infiltrators, and they do have, like, scary squads that can, you know, take you out in a crowded place. They are master mm-hmm. spies and all that, and uh, so we get a neat introduction to that. And they look good, too. I they love great, the Romulan yeah. design, it, and the, the weapons that are the, the Picard, from Picard, mm-hmm. they're yeah. using the same weapons. The Romulans and Picard use. This is just so They great. also do a dive down from the space elevator, right? At one yes, point? Yes, they do. Yes. yes. Which is becoming so, a thing. <laughs> yeah, we needed that in both Lower Decks and Prodigy this season. Yeah. <laughs> and we also get to, like, see more of, you know, uh, further evolved Murph. And I just appreciate yeah. Oh my gosh. How can we show that he's a little troublemaker? And that someone, <laughs> someone would have had to have in the writer's room gone, we're just going to give him a pair of guns and he's going to start firing them. I was like major baby grew vibes. And then, and then people are like, yeah, let's go with that. Let's just have this this little stretch Armstrong firing a couple of uh, phasers <laughs> in the halls. Why not? Well, and he also like at the end he stretches himself out over yeah. like the broken window to like it's a tarp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tarp. Yeah. So he's uh, really well, and he becomes their new security officer. Yeah, so he's already indestructible, so that's, you know, a good security skill. Uh, One Tasha Yar didn't have the benefit of. um, (laughs) So really, we can only go up from here. But it does make me wonder, is he going to, like, further evolve and get, like... Oh, yeah, he's got to. (laughs) He's got to. They're baby-grooting this. They're like, okay, we got our cute mascot character. Let's see. Let's see where we can go with that. Now he's he's in, like, his toddler form. We'll just keep going, I think. <laughs> and I love how much all of the crew is just ready to like carry him around like a yeah, toddler too. So cute. It is very cute. My my kids were mixed on the Murph. They were mixed. The meta metamorphosis of Murph. Um but they, <laughs> the but they were all into it. Like the Murphosis, that's the, the it. Me- metamorphosis. <laughs> they they were like they had to as soon as it ha- as soon as he hatched, you know, my son 
pause the TV and said, okay, we have to talk about this. Uh-huh. How do you all feel about this? <laughs> it's really cute. Like he was convening a meeting of the minds to discuss what had just happened. Also, I was going to say, can we establish that all of these wildly different things we've talked about happen in the same freaking episode? Yeah. This this episode is a is a potpourri yeah. of what is happening here, <laughs> and you know what? It works for me. Oh, it works for me too. And and yeah. I I really I really like what the the direction they decided to take Dell's origins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I find that it's, fascinating. It's cool, and I hope we get to explore that some yeah. more. Yeah. And it also is just like integral to his arc this season from being someone who's very self-interested to being someone mm-hmm. who's a leader. Um, yeah. And he's evolving and that's cool. Evolving via genetic enhancements. <laughs> yeah. And part of the reason he does what he does in this episode is he's jealous of Okana because Okana feels mm. like he, like people see him as a natural <laughs> everybody leader. Everybody loves that guy. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. His like revenge fantasy about oh, Okana. And uh, then, like, you know, Gwen has to tell him, like, you know, you're a better person than he is. <laughs> and we again get yeah. these children just completely abandoned by another adult they run yes. into. I was disappointed in that because I've never saw Okana as a bad person. He's more just a mischievous imp, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to me. So you, when, you think he would have Han Soloed it and come back for them? Yeah, I, was, I, was, I kept waiting for him to come back, so I, I just didn't see him rolling out like that. Maybe he'll but, come back season two. Yeah, maybe he'll see we him get again. One. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I think I think he's fun, so I, I hope you'll yeah. see him again. I mean, they're, they're collecting this this cast of secondary characters, this deep well it's they can pull from. pretty great. Let's yeah. Be yeah. But your, uh, your kids came around on Murph? So one one of them was on board right away. Oh, I like Murph. I'm I'm happy for him. <laughs> she said, and then the mm-hmm. other two were like, "Oh, I like the old Murph better." Um, and one's come around, and the other one is still like everyone's supposed to be like, "I miss old Murph." <laughs> I kind of miss old Murph too. I will I will admit I share that. Yeah, I was I like, "Oh, too. old Murph was cuter." <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah. Do you think we're gonna see Rock Tack have a day where she's like, "Where is the little slug I cared for?" <laughs> oh my god. Uh, he grows up so fast. Yeah, and I do really get baby Groot vibes, and I'm I am also on oh, kind yeah. of slightly unpopularly maybe not the biggest fan of baby Groot. <laughs> Look, you can only see a baby tree dance so many times before you yeah. go, okay, okay, we get it. Like it's a kid who can beat people up, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't find that as a funny. But uh... my child, you did not babysit. <laughs> Any kid can beat people up. <laughs> but I, I came around. Like I I enjoyed Murph the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm worse I'm enjoying him for what he is now. You know, mm-hmm. just, yeah. things change. And and it's funny because I was like, oh, this is a lesson apparently I needed to learn too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I needed to learn to deal with change. Oh, like, we're all we're... learning and growing from this mm-hmm. television program. Exactly. <laughs> right. Uh but speaking of growth, we get to in the next episode with preludes, we get backstories on more of the characters. We got a little bit more on Dahl and the more sort of mysterious aspect of he's got no real full answers here. But we do get to find out more about the backgrounds of Jankampog, Rocktack, and Zero. Yep. These children have all led pretty bleak lives. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah. Oh, wow. We all knew this was coming, but to have them all in successive order was just kind of like, oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, I did like that it was kind of a, a like 
a bit of a call out to Dal to like stop feeling so sorry for himself because they all yeah, had it exactly. bad. Yeah, I mean, Dal's feelings are a hundred percent valid. We l- we get him being like, no one's got it worse than me, and then Gwen's like, hi, um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember me. Dad left me for dead on Murder Planet. <laughs> Dad left me for dead on Murder Planet. I was driven mad on a spaceship in isolation. I was traded because I wasn't circus performing well enough. And I got kidnapped from my family. And then Zero has been reading other people's minds and says, you know, basically, yeah. Rock's got a story. And uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Rock is not super into telling it, but does eventually share how she was a child performer in... Oh, no. As the monster who had to fight a hero and people would bet and uh then she lost her job and got sold into slavery when she decided that she didn't like to be the one that that got beat up by the hero in every performance now of, of all of the roles as a child performer for rock tack to get pushed into because you know she's really big and scary looking but but personality wise this is not the child performer persona i would have chosen uh, for her you know? Like, you would have chosen more like a Shirley Temple with, like, a Mama Rose yeah, type. Or exactly. A tutu. <laughs> One of those kids who, like, handles dogs at the Westminster Dog Show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, look at all these big grown-ups. And then, oh, there's a giant rock child handling this poodle. Wow, look at them go. Yeah, I mean, it does um, explain why she hates fighting. And it explains um, why... Why uh, being security wasn't the thing she wanted to do. Yeah, but I do feel like I wanted to learn more about her people and where she came from. Um, And so we were still kind of missing a chapter of, like, how did she end up in this position? Yeah, I want to see her original story, you know, before she was sold into any sort of (laughs) slavery. Oh, and and I just want to know more about the Brickars. Yeah. That uh, that would be a cool opportunity to, to, you know... Increase what we know about them as a, as a species, which would have mm-hmm. been cool. Missed opportunity. Yeah. I do appreciate that with, um, Jenkin Pog's backstory, we get just kind of a thing of, yeah, if, if you're an orphan in many societies, you're just kind of yeah. in trouble. It's yeah. not going to be fun for you. And that's like the only thing we've really learned about Jenkin this whole season, because he's had like <laughs> yeah. the least development of anyone. And, uh, so that was, I think, a really, really important episode for him. Yeah. yeah. The fact that he, uh, he he was driven crazy, and he he doesn't say his own first name all the time for fun. Yeah. It's a it's a psychosis thing. Yeah. But I do I do really wish we um could get more you know fleshing out of Jankum Pog because he's definitely kind of our uh, our Mo Howard character, our wacky one our comedy character, and I would love to see some more depth uh, get thrown his way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, th- and that's what I liked about his part of this episode, was yeah. that we, we get to see him do something heroic. We got some of that, yeah. You know, because you, usually yeah. he's the one, you know, making the jokes like, oh, I'm not going to go first, you, you know, <laughs> I'm not volunteering well, think for that, of, and, you know. Well, think about it this way, because we know in his backstory he did do a super heroic mm-hmm. thing, and then found out he wasn't going to get any thanks for it, so now maybe he's kind of <laughs> like, okay, I've, I've been down that road, never right. again. I think when the chips are down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And then a great and self-taught engineer. <laughs> and then just poor Zero just got ah. straight up kidnapped, like, on a family outing or something. The visuals of that story were just Oh, gorgeous. my God, yes. The Medusans were so 
beautiful. Yeah, they were gorgeous. Just the these yeah. different colors, dancing in the wind, you know, <laughs> so pretty. This show has had some some moments of just breathtaking mm-hmm. visuals that I've loved. For sure. And this was this was one of them. And on all, and again, you feel for Zero, right. and then you feel for Gwyn for you know feeling complicit in all of that. Yeah, there you go, guilt buddies again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guilt buddies, they have a ship full of guilt. It's powered by a star and guilt. <laughs> and then we get to slowly see that Janeway is kind of putting the pieces together, being like, wait, this, these, these kids have had horrible stuff happen. And these are victims of circumstances. This is not seeming like how we initially thought it was. Yeah, because then we get, we get another backstory. We get the, Found the cops backstory. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Because we have uh, we- uh, Asensia turns into the Vindicator and activates her dreadnought disguised as a table. Can, can we can we stop and talk about what a great name that is? The Vindicator. For a villain, the Vindicator. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And then her dreadnought comes out of the table. <laughs> oh my god. I love the idea that she's just been keeping him in a coffee table. Like, just and the idea of her. moment. Her just having company over and being like, oh, hey, can I can I get you something? Shh, wait for it. Like she's got some Ann Geddes coffee table books on top of it or something. Just ready to sweep it aside at any moment. And the Dreadnoughts just there like, oh, wow. I was on Westworld. What happened? Well, yeah, saying that, I'm, I'm really glad we got more Jimmy Simpson. So um, I know, right? Mm-hmm. He's yeah, amazing. So, yeah, so I'm, gl- I'm glad that he's just like every Dreadnought is, is, is him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's Great. like the he's gonna be like our Wayun. Yes. <laughs> and that means that I hope we reach a point where we get multiple dreadnoughts with multiple different personalities. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, just, we're, we're going to solo. We yeah. yeah. We got to. Ooh, that's cool. Think of the potential. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, we get this whole backstory that there's a mole in Janeway's crew who's looking to who infiltrated Starfleet and is looking to live out the diviner's plan and oh man well sh- yeah she was sent forward at the same time as the diviner along with like 98 other people it was 100 people total right yeah who were all basically had the same mission and she arrived at a different point in time and basically got infiltrated starfleet um and has been like biding her time to be able to get to the protostar um and then runs into the diviner and is like okay great we're going to work together now i wonder if there if that means we're going to run into any other ones just in all of the history of starfleet if there's any other ones that are just going to pop out and be like oh hey i'm uh, i'm here to ooh, destroy starfleet i don't know i feel like that might get annoying <laughs> story wise but well i'm sure we'll i'm sure we'll see more of them on solemn that it'll be the present day version yeah you know, the the, the before version. <laughs> yes. Or may, maybe even a young diviner. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, more more John Noble's always good. Yes, that's true, too. So how, how resentful must the diviner be of the Vindicator to be like, I spent, like, so many years slaving away, <laughs> well, like, making other people <laughs> slave away on this planet to live this plan out, and you just showed up and got so much further than me? <laughs> I'd be so bitter. Yep. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, they knock out Janeway. Dun dun dun. And then That's we end an episode. And then we get a holodeck episode. <laughs> yeah. After that, we get Ghost in the Machine, which is basically. Uh... Oh, sorry. Maybe they knock out Janeway at the end of Ghost in the Machine. I I skipped ahead. Okay. 
No, I think I think for all of Ghost in the Machine, we just don't see her because yeah. she's knocked out. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. right. Because we're only on the Proto Story. Right. I think. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but with Ghost in the Machine, we get the kids in the holodeck, and all of their holodeck programs are getting mashed together into a continuous winding mystery with infinite Jason Alexanders. <laughs> a perfect vehicle for that. Yeah. <laughs> It's fun to see, like, what they all do in their spare time. It feels like a classic holodeck hijinks episode, mm-hmm. which we just haven't had yeah. in, other than in Lower Decks. And, um, like, for quite a long time, we haven't had it in Star Trek. Well, Star Trek is too serious business for us to just have holodeck-centric episodes all the time, so. Yeah, when you when you have 20 animated episodes, you can make it happen. It's harder when you have 10 live-action episodes. You can make it happen with as many Jason Alexanders as your heart desires. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Jason Alexander's all the way down. They have vehicle replicator and Jason yes. Alexander replicator. Those are the two main yeah. components of the Proto Star. Those are two great additions to the Star Trek universe. It means that they could have as many dune buggy chases and as many musical numbers as they need to. Yeah. You have to love the uh you know, the black and white nightclub that yeah. harkens back to all of the, like, film noir holodeck episodes and then Murph singing. <laughs> They're all like, whose program is this? <laughs> I still can't believe they threw a Shining reference in there. That just... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. The bartender. That, that delighted me to no freaking end. And also the fact that Zero's basically into escape rooms and mis- and milk toast mysteries. And I really like that for Zero. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely fits their personality. Yeah, it's it's adorable, and I love that. And I love how much everyone else wants nothing to do with it. And then uh, Rock's program is this veterinary oh hospital gosh. with all of these like Stop really cute... in space. <laughs> yeah, Delta Heart. Oh, yeah. so cute. And then obviously, like, when we get to Dal's pirate ship one, all I can think of is, like, where is my Star Trek? Our flag means death crossover. <laughs> Our flag means Trek, you mean? Yes. <laughs> I'm just thinking that, that for Dahl specifically, an Our Flag Means Death holodeck program would be the worst, because everyone's yes. constant. Not competent and doesn't follow orders. Everyone's feelings are getting in the way of everything. And he He'd would be like Izzy. Yeah, he, and he wouldn't be the center of attention. Yeah. You heard it here first. Dahl is the Izzy of Star Trek Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's very funny. Or, or. Or is Izzy the doll of our flag means death? I don't know. Izzy? Uh, Okay, (laughs) But yeah, and then it turns out Hologram Janeway trapped them all in the holodeck because she got corrupted by the weapon. Which, on one hand, cool to keep bringing uh, in that she's, you know, part of the system and all that, but also sad because Janeway doesn't want to do this. Right. Janeway loves her crew. She feels guilt. Now she's on the guilt train. Yeah. <laughs> the guilt shuttle. I mean, she gets real, real guilty feeling and just like, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. Janeway cannot, neither Janeway can really catch a break in this season, can they? Well, no, but they get an inspirational speech between them the next episode. The next episode was, uh, I think maybe my favorite uh, episode of the season. We get to see. Yeah. In an attempt to contact uh, Janeway, Admiral Janeway and her ship, Zero and Dahl try to do some telekinetic brain funk that apparently is just a thing you can do if you're part of a hive mind. 
Well, they both have telepathic abilities, yeah, so they, they, yeah. they're like, maybe if we connect our telepathic abilities, we can go farther. We can go all the all the way to Janeway. Okay, under scrutiny, um, uh, that uh, that doesn't hold up great with me, but I'll, but I'll allow it. I'll allow it for the shenanigans. If we accept that telepathy is part of this universe, then sure. <laughs> Yeah, the 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 mist creature in a little robo body. That's that's fine by me. Adding telekinesis <laughs> to the now that's a bridge too far. No, I, you got to take it all with a grain of salt. But also, we get to have a uh, doll and Admiral Janeway switch places. It's so great. The physical humor that they animate, especially with Janeway's body, with like Dal's mannerisms, like the finger guns and everything, is and like the winking. Oh my gosh, it's so oh, no. funny. <laughs> Do you, I really hope Kate Mulgrew had fun uh, talking like a scrappy teenage boy, because that was a blast to watch. Yeah, both her and Breck Ray were mm-hmm. They both nailed it, yeah. They nailed mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it was terrific. And then we get to have the two Janeways have a meeting of the mind, and uh, we get to have Admiral Janeway kind of pep talk hologram Janeway, and it's great. Kind of sucks for Janeway, though. She finally gets to meet, like, her namesake, and it's the form of this this kid that she's been running around with for the past couple months. <laughs> That's why I'm glad they made the decision to, even though she's still in Dal's body, to make it look like her. When they're the stylistic yeah. choice to do that, I thought, you know, it was, we understand what's going on. Well, let's let's be real. Who better to act with Kate Mulgrew than Kate Mulgrew? Like Kate, right? Yeah. You've seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> in Voyager, and and this is... Beautiful moment, and and I think I think especially after what happened mm-hmm. in the you know last episode to Hollow Janeway, I'm really glad she had this this moment. Yeah, yeah, with also, her huh. namesake. This also just kind of furthers the idea that even you know with his place in the crew, basically wherever Doll goes, he's going to be kind of a fish out of water because he's just kind of awkward and weird. <laughs> and you know what? I really he felt is. that. I really felt that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you just go into a room where you know you need to have gravitas and start finger throwing the finger guns and you can't <laughs> not do it. And it's very funny because we, like, he doesn't know that, like, Asensia is evil and attacked right. Janeway and she's just like, uh, what is happening? That just makes the whole episode so much more tense because you're like, oh, mm-hmm. just tell somebody, not her, not her. Mm-hmm. And Asensia, you know, reaches for her gun. Yeah. Uh, for her phaser, and then she's like, okay, something's happening. <laughs> and you see, I love how you see, you see her, her body outside the view screen. Because <laughs> she's crawling on the ship. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, and the, the part too where they're acting out, like they're doing they have charades to try to explain yes. to Dal what has to happen. It kind of makes me wish they'd tried doing that with Admiral Janeway, just like trying to like hold up like you don't think when you're a kid and you blow on the window and write out something? What if they just tried doing <laughs> that to communicate with the Dauntless? Yeah. I mean, they would have needed a really big window, but... You also get this moment there where, where she's freed, because they think she's crazy and they, <laughs> they restrain her, and then she's freed by the Diviner, which is part of his arc that he's kind of shifting a yeah. bit towards the end of the season. Who'd have thought, right? Yeah, I guess, you know, when he was put next to the real big, big bad, mm-hmm. uh, he started to regret some of his choices. How do you redeem a big bad? A bigger bad. I think, too, his anger has been sitting for, you know, 20 years or yeah, longer. That's true, yeah. is fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Vindicator's anger is still fresh. Yeah. And he has something to lose, which is Gwen. Yeah. Uh, and apparently was not allowed to make a progeny. Ooh, he's a bit of a rule breaker too. Who knew? 
I, I'm not interested in, in a redemption arc for him <laughs> at all. I, I mean, he's the, the, the slave. He still enslaved children. Enslaved children yeah. and left his daughter to die on Murder Planet. I'm not, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, but even if he does, like, he, he does decide to do the right thing or whatever, it's only for selfish reasons. Yeah. yeah. He's very, he's very Gold Ducat <laughs> with, with Gold Ducat's, you know, daughter and, yeah. you know, and how, like. I guess we're supposed to think that because, like, Janeway saved his life and was nice to him, he's, yeah. like, sort of half rethinking being horrible to everyone. And, but, yeah, I don't know. It. Yeah. Cause I, th- I, th- I think that's what. I think that's what they're trying to say, that if you, if you put out good into the world, good will come back to you. Mm-hmm. Or good will team good team up with a worse, and things will kind of go a little crazy in the two-part season finale. That's a great segue. Yeah, let's get into that, because, oh my goodness, so much happens. It was um, another one where by the end of Supernova Part 1, I was like, was that really only 24 minutes? Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Yeah, they packed a lot into that first half. They pack so much in there. One thing I'll just note, right, like, that kind of applies to the whole season, which is that all of the episodes, they all have kind of a, a really abrupt ending into the um, end credits. I kind of like that. I think it works better if you're binging them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah. we had access to screeners, so we were watching them. That's true. We did have a different, different experience. Yeah. Anyway, it all comes together in Supernova Part One. We we the Janeway and the Federation. Well, Janeway and her ship finally kind of know what's up. We've got villains revealed. We've got uh, all of the stakes are high. So high. More people die than I thought were gonna die. More people die than well are implied to die, but also people are rescued, and we get like way bigger of an epic space battle than I would uh, than I honestly would have ever expected on this kid's Starfleet show. Starfleet has to call in all its favors. Yeah. And I really do love the fact that we um, we get to see them have a moment where they're like, okay, um, part of this whole virus thing has taken out the universal translators. We need someone who can translate a bunch of stuff. And Gwen's like, I got this. This is my moment. And she really gets to step up and do her thing and it's a great moment yeah for the character but it also reminded me this is what uhura should have gotten to do with those klingons and in into darkness mm-hmm. like they give her that setup for the scene it's like no she's she's a master translator and they're with the klingons they need to ask the klingons for help. no it went bad they need to use violence too bad mm-hmm. she came for no reason so i love that Gwyn is getting to kind of take a wasted opportunity that we've had in the past yeah. and use it and and it's just further uh, further showing us, damn, Gwyn is competent as hell mm-hmm. when she's got it together. And, and Del gave her the captain's chair in that moment. You know, said captain. It's true. Mm-hmm. He got to have a real moment of growth of being like, no, this is your moment. You do your thing. Mm-hmm. Which he totally wouldn't have been able to emotionally do earlier on. And I love the, uh, the fight between Gwyn and the Vindicator. <laughs> mm-hmm. I yeah. thought that that was oh, <laughs> that was man. interesting. Dueling dueling heirlooms and it was, it was visually interesting. And then Dreadnought is fighting everyone else, and you think they're all goners. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was so harsh. I thought that there was going to be some time yeah. travel to walk it back. It was so harsh at first. <laughs> nope. There's so much. Just oh my god, yeah. happens in. Uh, in part one that you're kind of like, okay, how are, th- how are they going to make this work in part two? I genuinely was like, okay, so these people are all, uh, 
probably already a bunch of people are dead in this space battle. Where can they go from here? <laughs> and then they were like, "No, we're gonna we're gonna rely on the kindness of strangers and translating and work work it out in a way." And then we have to see see hologram Janeway mm. again. She, neither Janeway can catch a break. Hologram Aww. Janeway dies. Basically says, "I'm gonna die for these scrappy youngsters." Them having to say goodbye to her kind uh, and not knowing it just kind of, oof. Yeah, hits you in the feels. Like, and because, like, yeah. yeah, she really has been, like, their mentor figure and kind of a parent figure. And then... And for a lot... And for next to all of them, the only secure parental figure they have had because yeah. they've all been screwed over by adults in their mm-hmm. lives. And and that message that she leaves them was, was from a mother to her children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, about how they can make it even without her and how extraordinary yeah. they all are. and They can fulfill their p- potential yeah. now. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. These children will be the death of me, I swear. They were the death of Hologram Janeway. And then we get back to Earth. Just the immense relief I felt being like, oh, thank God they made it to Earth. It's not going to be, if it gets picked up again, it's not going to be a whole other season of them lost in spacing right. it. Mm-hmm. Give these kids some validation. <laughs> They've earned it. And, like, and through the last three episodes, uh, or I guess, well, like, since Mindwalk, episode 18, is when the Protostar crew learns that, like, Dowell maybe can't get into Starfleet because he's an augment. Um, yeah. Because Janeway says that when she's in Dowell's body. Yeah. And so, like, there's this big thing about whether or not they're going to agree to let any of them in, but especially Dowell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, Vice Admiral Janeway is defending them vociferously to this panel it's 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 a classic star trek trial (laughs) speech yes (laughs) admiral janeway goes to washington it's great times and being like these kids worked their asses off for this yeah and um it it really did warm the heart at the end when they're like okay they're not going to fast track you but they are bringing you into starfleet which i thought was was pretty realistic you know much Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely i like that and and the fact that they can be on a ship with Janeway, well, that, that's how you set yeah. up for season two. Yeah. They all start getting to learn, and Dr. Aaron yeah. is in, uh, yeah. is canon in Star Trek <laughs> now. It's for the second <laughs> time. Good for her. You're killing it, Dr. Aaron. <laughs> yeah, and um, Gwen is not going with them, though. Yeah. Yeah, we we established every, five have been given entry, but there's six of them, and Gwen has decided she's going to try and find her people's home planet and try and make good on what what her dad wanted but not through the means that he was willing to go to yeah also hey there may be a different version of her dad out there yeah like it definitely seemed like they would have let her in if yeah. she wanted yeah if she wanted to but she said like i have to go away back to my yeah. and save my planet I, I don't think it was like they had to pick which five went no i think no, they no. just all got in but she was going to become the unifier but on one hand it's like no she's the she's the really competent <laughs> one well but now the other no. guys are gonna be on a ship with janeway as their captain, so. Yeah, I know. And, you know, and, and it's nice because they'll probably keep the same structure. Of, you know, we go from the Protostar to the Dauntless, and the Pro- you know. So we'll probably go from the ship yeah. that they're on with Janeway to the ship that Gwen is on going to Solemn, you know. I know. Yeah. I just still kind of, there's a pebble in my shoe about there being, like, the competent girl character who, you know, from the get-go has been super freaking competent. And now they're in a position where they're like, okay, now you can show us what you're made of. And she's like, no, I'm going to do a peace mission instead. Oh, interesting. Because to me, she I mean, she's taking on the biggest mission you could possibly take on. 
I don't see it as just a peacekeeping mission because because she she basically has to go to a, a, <laughs> she has to a go world who's never even had forth. first contact with outsiders who thinks that they're the only people in the universe and try to convince them yeah. to not freak out into a civil war <laughs> when they find out the truth. And by the way, I'm from the future, and <laughs> you know. Yeah, like that's. I, I thought she was given uh, like a special mission because she, I, I don't see it as as a, like a. Yeah, I think overall, like I felt that way more at the beginning of the series, where I was like, once she's fully come on to their side, to me, it didn't make sense why Dal was the default captain, um, except for <laughs> yeah. that he had to go through that arc more than <laughs> she did because she was kind of already capable of it. From the get-go, I was like, oh, she's going to get Trinity, isn't she? She's going to be the competent one that's put to the side while the guy character has to learn all this stuff. But but through the growth, I actually, um, through the growth and the arcs of the characters, uh, it worked for me. I mean, I think that if she hadn't had any development, it would have been more of a problem, but she she clearly had, like, a lot of stuff to work yeah. through herself. And this is probably bad, but, like, when we got the shot of them, like, watching her ship take off into space, the immediate thought I had was, Poochie's ship was destroyed returning to his home planet. <laughs> I, um, I will say, though, I am not a fan of, of Dal and Gwyn no, having no. a romantic thing. I did not Not at, at all. all. Not at all. As a kid... I was just like, I, I didn't like it as a kid when there was suddenly romantic stuff getting put in with the characters. I'm not a fan of it as an adult. I like them. I don't like how they handled it. I'm actually still yeah. furious <laughs> that in the year 2022, there's a scene where someone plants a kiss on someone without their consent. In a yeah. children's Star Trek show that made me furious. Um, mm-hmm. so I didn't yeah. like that scene. I like, I, I like the, the way they ended, ended it in Supernova Part 2 with them having a, a genuinely nice conversation where, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and, and we're, you know, just acknowledging they had feelings for each other, but not having it be something that's going to hold either one of them back, you know? Yeah. I, I thought that was handled yeah. nicely. I didn't like the way they handled it in Supernova Part 1. <laughs> I just immediately thought of how awkward it made it as an adolescent anytime you had a friend group and two of them decided they were in a relationship and how weird and uncomfortable that made the whole dynamic. <laughs> Especially if you're like one of the only girls in a group, every guy will decide suddenly he's in love with you at some point and it sucks. Oof. It's the yeah. worst. I agree. I think it ended up okay, but um, I just felt like... I was not reading them that way, even though they obviously had a lot of really important bonding moments throughout the season. Mm-hmm. I didn't read them that way, and so then it felt forced to me when, like, Dal first is, like, in Janeway's body, or uh, and uh, it's like, I'd do anything for Gwen, too. Yeah. And then, then, then the kiss when she's trying to tell him something serious, and uh, she's very caught off guard by that. Like, I got what they were going for, but I was just kind of annoyed because I was like oh man like I did not need this like yeah. I was very down for them to just be like soulmate friends yeah I was totally on board with their friendship and all that and this just kind of went mm. also I'm just um I'm always gonna forever have the rock in my shoe of the cool girl character being an inevitable love interest for the main character can a girl just be cool on her own seriously well, I hope that at least because they got to go off and do other things separately, yeah. that they'll both continue to have growth as individuals and maybe like real life, 
you will, they will both meet other people they are interested in. <laughs> yes. I wish them both better and brighter things. Yes. But do we think if it comes back another season, they're going to bring Gwen back in? Or they're going to bring in another cool, competent girl character? And if so, does that mean we're going to get a new, cool, competent girl character every season? Until by the end, they inevitably reform the Spice Girls? I was kind of under the impression we would follow both both journeys. But because they also obviously have to go find Chakotay and stuff, too. So That's what they can title season two, Dude, Where's My Chakotay? <laughs> so any final thoughts about the season and how it finished out? and what you're hoping to see come from next season. Well, I, I mean, ne- next season we, we've got, they've already said there's a, there's going to be at least 20 more episodes. But, I mean, I think now we, we've got a ship who's captained by Catherine Janeway again. So that's going to be yeah. mm-hmm. pretty cool. It's just going to be these kids in addition to a regular Starfleet crew, which I think is going to mm-hmm. be really mm-hmm. interesting and Oh, they're all going to be Wesley they're Crushers. All Wesley Crushers, yeah. in a good way, I think. <laughs> and and you know, and she she said, "Oh man, these kids would hate Wesley." <laughs> I think they'd be buddies. They'd be buddies. Yeah, I think they'd be friends. As a, Rock would definitely be yeah. friends because they could just talk science, all the different kinds of science. I'm just genuinely imagining Dahl and Janka meeting like first season TNG Wesley Crusher and being like, "Who's this nerd? <laughs> what is his?" deal i feel like dal would be jealous because he'd be like this kid feels like it seems to really feel like he fits into starfleet and is surrounded by loving parental figures yeah and like dal's got to be still kind of dealing with a bit of imposter syndrome i think at the start of next season oh yeah absolutely uh what about you jen is there anything you're especially hoping to see come out of next season well i mean I, I was under the impression they were going to follow Gwen's journey to Psalm and uh, Janeway and Cruz's journey through the wormhole. So I, I hope, I hope, I hope for yeah. that. Um, well, I hope we find yeah. Chakotay and that's the end of that. <laughs> and they move on to a new, <laughs> a new, uh, plot line. Um, because the search for Chakotay is, is not. So you're, you're like, hoping they wrap this stuff up? <laughs> I want to wrap up the Chakotay thing, personally. Yeah. Uh, move on to another mystery or, or whatever they're, they're playing on doing. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I hope they find him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure they will and bring him home where he belongs. <laughs> How did your kids react to the finale? They, they liked it a lot. I think they enjoyed the, um, well, the death of Janeway affected them. Yeah. A lot. We were all affected by that. Yeah. yeah. And th- but I think they enjoyed seeing what Earth was like because that's new to them too. Mm-hmm. Solar panels on the Golden Gate Bridge. Right, exactly. We, like, we, we've seen plenty of episodes where they go to Earth, but this was their first one, their first Star Trek episode where we went to Earth, and, and they, they found that inter- very interesting. Cool. Yeah, and the new protos, they liked that there was a new protostar. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to be the ship. Janeway has something bigger in mind, so I'm hoping she has a ship with a letter A at the end of it. Voyager A. Aww. <laughs> They said that the protostar was a prototype. So does that make the original one the proto proto star? Proto squared scar, uh, star squared. I've got two main things I am hoping for, and one is that they bring back Nandi because I want to see what else they can do yes. with that character. She's great, and we don't get a lot of lady villains quite of her ilk. So I I want to see more of that. And secondly, we've got like one other, you know, 
super competent augment in Starfleet. So I want to see, I want to see Dal get to meet Bashir. I think that'd be yes, great. That would be very cool. Because they're both on such, uh, they're, they're differing personalities. And I mm-hmm. think that would be fun to see. Yeah. I hope there's more cameos in general. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and there probably is, but and I'll, also that's, I'm wondering who is accompanying Gwen to Solom. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot of great possibilities for, you know, people that we know that mm-hmm. Starfleet's got a lot of good ambassadors. Although it would be something if they were like, yeah, we'll just send this teenage girl to sort all of this out. <laughs> just drop her off. Yep. <laughs> Leave her with a little sack lunch and then be like, okay, bye, good Roll luck. <laughs> Peace. Oh my goodness. But yeah, overall, this, this season was a hoot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, Jen, where can people find more from you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ida Quarks. And my podcast is called Snap Trek. And you can find my Prodigy reviews on TrekCore.com. Excellent. And Jara, what about you? You can find me on the social medias at Jara Penguin. That's at J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin. And I'm also at TrekkieFeminist.com. And I'm Grace, and you can find me on Twitter at BoneCrusherJank. You can also find me on Instagram at BoneCrusherJ and variations of that across the social media sphere. You can also find me still feeling resentment that romantic subplots with teenagers are perfectly normal if they're both heterosexual, but are deemed as being political if they're not. Yep. (laughs) I'm not bitter. True. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. (laughs) To learn more about our show or to contact us, visit womenatwarp.com, email us at crew at womenatwarp.com, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at womenatwarp. Thank you so much for listening. And live logs and proper. (laughs) 